I speak to you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Last Saturday, I attended a Black Lives Matters protest. A small group gathered at City Market for an initial rally, and the leaders taught some chants to be used on the march, call and response style. People trickled in, and finally there were, was a group of about 50 or so, and we could start walking. Now, I used to go to a lot of protests when I was younger, getting up early in the morning to drive to Washington, D.C., and those huge marches were a lot of fun. Lots of chanting and music, the energy of the crowd just sweeping you up. But despite my extroversion, I find I no longer love crowds. And I'm enough of an individualist now that I dislike group mentality in general. I don't like being told what to say. I feel a bit corny whenever I participate in crowds and I'm expected to use scripted language, whether for displays of patriotism or to cheer on an athletic team or for a protest. In fact, pretty much the only time I like to gather with a crowd and use a script is when I'm in church. Still, I've been heartbroken these past two years by the relentless news of yet another black or brown beloved child of God being shot by a police officer. After two more shootings the week prior, it just felt essential to show up. So there I was, walking with this group, being encouraged to respond to slogans from a bullhorn, the leader chanting, hands up, and the crowd responding, don't shoot, and so on. Mainly, I just walked along with the crowd. I was by no means the oldest person there, but I felt pretty middle-aged. I took in the folks on the sidewalks downtown who stopped to take pictures. Frankly, I felt pretty awkward. But there was one chant that really got me. One of the leaders called out, tell me what democracy looks like. And the crowd shouted back, this is what democracy looks like over and over again. And as we chanted that again and again, this is what democracy looks like, I looked at the crowd peacefully walking a designated route on the right hand of the street, mainly on sidewalks. I looked over at the many police officers calmly escorting us on bikes and on horseback stopping traffic for the march as necessary, even on a day when they also had the Circle City Classic and an ALS and an AIDS walk. They were there to monitor and protect us all. And my eyes filled with gratitude and joy because this is what democracy looks like. Average people lifting their voices in protest 
and delivering petitions to the city county building, police protecting the right to freely assemble. You know, when I was younger, I wanted justice and democracy to be bold and sexy. I wanted big protests on the Washington Mall, rousing speeches, noble self-sacrifice, and acts of peaceful dis civil disobedience that we still admire from the civil rights movement. But walking awkwardly last Saturday, I was reminded again how plain and everyday and amazing democracy is. This is what democracy looks like. A ragtag group of people walking along through the city with homemade signs. Police officers politely making way for that group. It's football players taking a knee in protest at the national anthem and it's people who disagree with that protest writing letters to the editor. It's knocking on doors for your candidate and caring not just for who's running for president, but also for city council and your local school board. It's speaking to our elected officials. It's our own beloved parishioner, Brad King, ensuring that elections are free and fair in Indiana. It's making phone calls with IndyCan to get out the vote and inform people about the transit referendum. It's all of us. It's every one of us going out to vote on November 8th. Democracy isn't sexy. It's the patient, slow work of ensuring that the government does the work it's supposed to do. It's doing that even when we get discouraged. It's doing those small things even when we're discouraged and never giving up on hope of democracy. It's getting involved in the nitty-gritty instead of complaining from the sidelines. Well, just as I wanted political action when I was younger to be sexy and exciting instead of the humdrum of attending city council meetings or making phone calls, I also wanted faith and gestures of faith to be big and bold and life-altering in the moment. I wanted to renounce all my possessions and go live with the poor like Dorothy Day. Or I wanted to speak out on behalf of the oppressed like Archbishop Oscar Romero or to fight the apartheid government like Archbishop Tutu. And those people, those actions, they're all in line with our faith, of course, and certainly some people have been and will be called to selfless, courageous acts of faith that follow the way of Jesus, the way of the cross, even unto death. But that doesn't seem to be what Jesus is talking about in the gospel today. You see, right before this, Jesus has been teaching his disciples about the need to never lead another into sin and to forgive others over and over and over again, even if they wrong you seven times in one day. No wonder the disciples beg then, increase our faith. Increase our faith. We're going to need it, Jesus. Now what happens next is a bit confusing. Jesus tells them that even a tiny seed of faith can make amazing things happen. 
And then he asks them if any of them would expect a servant or a slave to do anything other than their daily tasks. And would they expect to have to thank their servant? Now this sounds odd, even unsettling to our 21st century ears, especially when the word pistis is translated as slave rather than servant. But here's what I think Jesus is saying. Don't worry about the size of your face. Don't worry about it. As long as you have any faith at all, even the size of a teeny tiny mustard seed, you can do amazing things. Because what matters is who you have faith in. Not you, not me, we don't matter. The size of our faith doesn't matter, God matters. And Jesus also seems to be saying, don't focus on the size of faith, but on doing what you're called to do by that faith. Do what needs to be done, just as a servant does his or her job because that's what needs to be done. So what does that look like? Well, it can look a lot of ways in the Gospels. It can look like Peter's mother hopping up after she's healed to fix a meal, or any of those people who approach Jesus trusting absolutely that he can heal them. It looks like the centurion who comes to ask for healing for his servant. Faith in the Gospels is gratitude for forgiveness. It's lowering your paralytic friend through the roof to get him healed. It's helping distribute loaves and fishes for the 5,000. It's walking with Jesus to Jerusalem. It's Jesus taking the form of a slave who humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Faith is disciples facing their failure at the foot of the cross and still going forward to share good news. We don't know how much faith any of them had at any given moment might have been a mustard seed, but they had enough to do the work that had been given them to do. For mustard seeds, as we know, can grow into enormous bushes. A seed of faith is all we need to do what needs to be done. You see, faith is not meant to be huge and unreachable and undoable. It's doing what needs to be done. It's saying our prayers. It's sharing what we have. It's being kind when it might be easier to be otherwise. It's holding our tongues when we'd rather gossip. I bet you've done one or more of these things this past week. In fact, I invite you to take a moment to review this past week. And then I invite you to write down on the slip of paper that should be in your pew, a little yellow piece of paper, something you did this past week that was kind or helpful, prayerful or forgiving. If there's not one in your pew, you can look in front or behind and then write that down. I'll give you 45 seconds. Could be a word. Those of you who don't have them in the choir loft or at the altar, just think of it.
Now I invite you, hold those up or raise your hand if you don't have a piece of paper for that thing that you did this past week. Hold them up. Don't be shy. Now look around. These are mustard seeds, friends. Imagine what the world would look like if those things hadn't been done. Imagine a world where we did more of those things, where we didn't worry if our faith was perfect or large enough, where we just got down to the business of loving and feeding and forgiving others, where we prayed to and trusted in God, no matter how much faith we felt we had on any given day. Because this, that, is what faith looks like. Tell me what faith looks like. This is what faith looks like. Each thing we do, do to show forth God's love, each time we put God or another ahead of ourselves, each day we choose to do what needs to be done. You know, it's easy to lose hope whenever we scan the latest headlines, but all around us, mustard seed-sized faith is blossoming into fragrant bushes. Signs of hope, signs of God's continuing, ongoing, never-failing love for us. I invite you to put those cards into the offering plates today when they go by, and as you put them in to those offering plates, take them as a sign of hope. That whatever the size of your faith, mustard seed-sized or mountain-sized, it's enough, it's enough to do what needs to be done. And all these acts that we gather up here today well, this, this is what faith looks like. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.